single service in the month of December. Uh, for one, you run out of material because <laughs> you hear a lot of the same Christmas messages after so many years. Uh, I've had the privilege of being in uh, one church for a long time, and I, 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 loved my, I loved my pastors, but there would be recycled Christmas messages. After you've been there 10, 15, 20 years, you would start to hear every December some of the same messages, and I know we need repetition and we need review, uh, but uh, I, I choose not to do a Christmas message for every service in December, and I hope, I hope you don't mind that. We will have uh, these Wednesday nights uh, looking at uh, characters in our Bible character series, and these are around the birth of Christ. Of course, in Sunday school, we're looking at the incarnation of Christ, and then next Wednesday, and then of course on Christmas Day, we'll have Christmas themes. Um, but uh, I have uh, chosen to continue in my series in the book of John, and uh, we'll continue to do that this Sunday. And then we'll look at uh, prophecy on Sunday night, and then we'll have a couple of Christmas themes next Wednesday, and then, of course, on Christmas Day. But tonight we'll look at a character from around the Christmas story, not exactly uh, in the Christmas story itself, but nevertheless very closely attached. Obviously, Zacharias being the father of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist being the... Uh, forerunner, the, the one who prepared the way of the Lord with his preaching and proclaimed Christ and was in the, the spirit and the power of Elijah uh, in his preaching. And so that's where we will be tonight, Luke chapter number 1, Luke chapter number 1, and there are two sections here, we'll skip one section, and then if we have time, uh, we'll go down to Zechariah's prophecy at the end of the chapter. Zacharias is also spelled Zachariah, so they're the same name. It just it has to do with the ending. Sometimes it's the transliteration or the translation from one language into another. Um, in uh, some places you'll find his name Zacharias, and then other places you'll find his name Zachariah. It's the same, same name in the original language. Herod the Great is the king. In, in uh, Luke chapter number 1, in verse number 5, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. So, in the context, Herod is the king. He is Herod the Great. He is a wicked man. He is the man who, he's the king, who would have all children two years of age and younger murdered um, when Jesus, when the wise men come to see Jesus. So here we have, uh, in the context here, a wicked man, King Herod, uh, ruling. And we have Zacharias and Elizabeth, who are introduced to us here. Elizabeth is Zacharias's wife, of course, verse number 7. They had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. 
So this is going to set the context for this occasion where Zacharias is doing his priestly duties. We see there in verse number 5 that he is of the course of Abiah, which is short for Abijah. So if we were to go back to 1 Chronicles 24, there were 24 groups of priests. And they would take turns. There would be uh, a two-week time period. One week would be uh, the service of the, the priest in the temple. And then they'd come back another week, so two weeks each year. Not necessarily consecutive, but one, once, or excuse me, twice a year. They would come for one week and they would perform the priestly duties there at the temple. Now, here is Zacharias. He has come for his weekly or his one-week duty. Uh, we're not told if it's the second one or if it's the first one of, of the year. But he is here performing his priestly duties. And he is the one who, by lot, he is chosen to offer incense at the altar of incense. So there were so many priests that even though the rotation of these uh, priests, these Levites, as they came and as they did their service in the temple, because there were so many of them that were involved in the temple uh, practice and the upkeep of the temple and the sacrifices and all the care of the temple, they would cast lots to determine who would be the priest to go in and to actually offer the incense on the altar of incense. So not every priest got to do that. They would cast lots. Now I know we don't do lot casting, except it has the wrong context, the wrong connotation nowadays. Casting lots would probably be in the form of gambling or dice or something, you know, uh, one of the casinos or, or something. This was, of course, not any kind of gambling this was not some sort of vice that they were practicing. This was a lot that was cast. We're not told exactly how, um, but this lot was, it, it fell upon Zacharias. Now, this would have been a very, very sacred and important responsibility. This would only happen one time in a priest's lifetime. If, they, if the lot was cast and they were chosen by lot to go in and, alt, and offer the incense on the altar of incense, they only got to do that once. Some didn't get to do it at all. They would serve in the temple. They would be involved in the other aspects of the temple worship. But to have that privilege of going in and offering the incense, that was only by lot and only once could you do it in your lifetime. So if the lot fell on you, you only had that one opportunity. So this was an extremely important occasion. So we come back to our passage, verse number 8 of Luke 1. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God, in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. So gathering outside 
the temple are these people and they're praying. Now, what did the incense symbolize? The incense symbolized the incense symbolized the prayers of the saints. So while he goes in to offer this incense, there is a prayer meeting going on outside, and these people are waiting for Zacharias to come back out of the temple from offering this incense. As that smoke would descend, or ascend, I should say, up, the people would be praying, and the smoke would symbolize, as the incense was burned, that would symbolize the prayers of the saints. And there's a prayer meeting going on outside as they're waiting for Zacharias to return. So we come to this point in the passage now where Zacharias, in verse number 11, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Here is this very solemn, important, sacred occasion. I can only imagine he's trying to do everything just right. And I don't know if you've, we've, we've probably all experienced this, where we're maybe the center of attention or we're on an important responsibility. We've been given an important duty and we want to do it just right. We don't want to mess up. You know how it is when you have something important that you have to do and you're afraid if you do one thing wrong, it's going to just it's gonna ruin everything. And I can imagine Zacharias, he's performing this duty. This has been, it's his, the lot fell on him. He knows the seriousness of this responsibility. He's reverential. We've already seen um, that, that he and Elizabeth are righteous people, obeying all the commands of the Lord. They're very reverential people. They fear God. They are obeying the Lord in a blameless way, we're told here in this passage. They are so obedient that they are known for being above reproach. Can you imagine that kind of testimony? Can you imagine a testimony of blamelessness where, oh yeah, if there's anybody that's going to obey, if there's anybody that's going to do it and do it right, it's going to be Zacharias and Elizabeth. What, what a testimony that would be if each of us had that kind of a testimony. Not in a goody-goody two-shoes, holier-than-thou kind of way, but have the reputation of being the one that could be counted on to serve the Lord, to do the right thing, to be obedient, to be faithful, to be counted on. The person who had the testimony that they could be trusted with a great responsibility, they could be trusted with a service for the Lord, whatever it might be, and you knew the job was going to get done, and you knew that it was going to be done right, and it was going to be done in such a way that it honored and pleased the Lord, and people were blessed by it. That was Zacharias. That was Elizabeth. Now, he, here he is at the altar of incense. I'm sure he's trying to do everything exactly right. This is the once-in-a-lifetime occasion. He wants to do this exactly right. He wants to honor the Lord, very, reverent, very reverential and respectful in his service. And an angel appears. Now, I think I have the note up here. Yes, on the screen there. 
It had been 400 years since the last revelation from God. We're now at the beginning of the New Testament. We're coming to the end of the intertestamental period and starting the New Testament. There hasn't been a revelation from God for 400 years. And now there's an angel standing right there. And it's the angel Gabriel. Only two angels, two holy angels, are mentioned by name in the Bible. Gabriel and Michael. Uh, There are... uh, Other angels that are fallen angels, or Satan himself is an angel. But two holy angels mentioned by name in the Bible, and one of them is Gabriel, and the other one is Michael. And Gabriel is the one that appears here to Zacharias. Let's go back now uh, to verse number 12. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. I can only imagine um, how that would have been startling for him. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. There is a joy and a gladness when a child is born. And we know that this world is saying awful things about motherhood, about preborn babies. Some places around the United States are even talking about legal infanticide. If there's a botched abortion, the baby should still be murdered. Horrible things that are being said. Some of the things that we have heard in the news over the last few months after uh, the Roe v. Wade And even when the leak came before the decision uh, on Roe v. Wade, we've heard some horrible things about the dehumanization of unborn life. Horrible things. Even I heard one lady say that being a mother is, or being pregnant is is, is a poison. I mean, that's just horrendous. We read here that Elizabeth was barren, and it was a... A, a, a grief. It was, it was a hard thing for her to bear. Zacharias, of course, not being uh, obviously the one who could have the child, but nevertheless, as the father, he was sharing with his wife in this burden of not being able to have children in a Jewish family. And I listened to a conservative Jewish man on podcasts quite regularly, and he said he only has three children, and he is... A small family with the five of them having only three children. He said, so far, they are still in the small range of families for a Jewish family. And that's today. He's an Orthodox Jew. So he would probably be very much in keeping with the Old Testament and the New Testament and the Jewish custom. So for her to be barren, it, it, was, it was almost a scandal. I mean, it was, it was a, a, a very hard thing for them to to understand why would God not give them children now what is he hearing you will have a son your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and his name will be John and you will have joy and gladness and many shall rejoice at his birth so not only will you have joy and gladness in that you will have a child but there is a special calling 
There is something unique about this child that's going to be born. Something unusual. We go on in verse number 15. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now at that point, Zacharias should have gotten the message, right? He should have gotten the message that this is a child from the Lord given a special calling, and there is no doubt that this is going to happen. Now, there hasn't been a revelation from God in 400 years. Zacharias has never seen an angel before. And so he's obviously overwhelmed. It says that he was troubled. Fear fell upon him, but the angel assured him. And the angel, Gabriel, gives him a message from God. Angels primarily are messengers. Okay, angels are messengers from God. Gabriel delivers this message. And Zacharias, without being too critical, Zacharias struggles with what the angel just said. Now, we can't get too uppity-up about this because how many of us would have responded similar to Zacharias? First of all, how many of us would have had the testimony of a Zacharias or an Elizabeth? Could that be said about us, that we followed the commandments of the Lord blamelessly? Righteous, yes, saved, but that also speaks to the righteousness of his lifestyle, of the way he lived, not just their salvation, but also they were known for their righteous living. So a man of great character, he gets this message from Gabriel, and what's his reaction? Verse 18, And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. Now again, before we get too critical of Zechariah, how many of us would begin to look at the, the human side, the, just the, the average situation that we're in, begin looking at all of the the human components, how many of us would doubt? And how many of us do doubt when we have the very Word of God, the principles, the commands, and the promises of the Word of God, and we find ourselves doing like Zacharias? Well, Lord, you don't understand. I can't do that because I have this, 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 and this. Lord, there's, there's no way you could use me because I am... This, this, whatever. You don't know who I am, my background, my lack of speaking ability, my looks, my home life, my whatever it might be. And we begin to make excuses. Have we not seen this before? Have we not seen this with Gideon? Have we not seen this with Abraham, who also was told that he was going to have a child, that his wife, Sarah, was going to bear a child in her old age? Did Abraham, did Sarah, didn't Sarah laugh? There was an unbelief that, that came through. It's, it's just common human nature. 
for us to look at the human side of things, even when God says, this is what I am going to do. And he gives him prophecy about what his son is going to be. He's going to be a Nazarite. He's going to have the Nazarite vow. He's going to preach. He's going to prepare the way of the Lord. He's going to come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He gives them details about his son. And Zechariah says, well, I don't know about that, Lord. I know you just said all that. I know you just said all the things he's going to do. But, you know, have you forgotten about this? I'm old. And so is my wife. Uh, we're, we're, we're beyond the years. But here it is again, God wanting to take something that the world would say was weak, that the world would say is unworthy, and God's going to show his mightiness. He's going to show his might. He's going to show his power. He is going to show his glory through Zacharias and Elizabeth. And that's what God wants to do with us. Not that we're out there in pride seeking, okay, God, give me the glory. Not that we're out there in that kind of a prideful spirit trying to be the, the, the big cheese in the church or in the service, in the ministry, wherever it is that, that God has put us. And we've been around people like that that are always trying to show off their abilities and their talents and they get a little bit of a title and they let it go to their head. It's not about that at all. It's being a humble servant of the Lord and saying, God, I don't know how. It doesn't make sense to me, but I'm here, I'm willing, I'm available, and I want you to use me. Samuel, little boy Samuel, shouldn't, couldn't we use some more childlike faith like Samuel, here am I, Lord, send me. What do you want me to do, Lord? I think that we make far too many excuses sometimes. And it's not that we are to be self-confident, that we're to be full of pride. It's not that we're to lean on our own flesh. We have too much of that going on. But here is Zacharias, and he is struggling because it doesn't seem humanly possible. But God is saying, Zacharias, I want you to trust me. I want you and Elizabeth to trust me and I'm going to do great things through your son, John. And Zacharias struggles, as many of us would. Okay? And Zacharias, because of his unbelief, we know what happens, and it's there on the screen. We read there, verse number 19, And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak. So we think of the word dumb in our modern vernacular as somebody who's stupid, as somebody who's not using their brain. That's not what he's calling Zacharias, obviously. He's saying that he would be dumb in the, in the sense that he would not be able to speak. He'd be mute. So he lost his ability to speak. Now, there are some of us that would probably be a gift to our spouse, or be a gift to our friends and our neighbors. Maybe our friends and our neighbors, maybe our spouse has been praying that we would have a uh, punishment of being mute. I don't know. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. But there are some of us that it'd probably be good for us to say less and 
listen more. And we live in a culture that doesn't do a very good job of listening. We're constantly distracted. Phones in our hands, TV's on, on and on it goes. And uh, I don't want to pick on any of my children too much, but it happens with uh, me and Kelly as well. Sometimes she'll say something and I'll ask her five minutes later something that she had already told me. And I'm in trouble. But it happens with our kids. We joke around sometimes. We have to make an announcement four times, one for each child. Even though we've said it, we thought, in the hearing of them all the first time. But anyway, listening. We struggle uh, many times, especially in our culture with all the distractions. We struggle to listen. But the punishment was that he would not be able to speak. Now remember, there's this prayer meeting going on outside. They're seeing the smoke ascend up from the temple. He's put the, the fire on the altar of incense. Verse 20, And behold, thou shalt, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. So he comes out finally. It seemed to be taking too long, a lot longer than they expected. And he comes out and he's motioning. He's trying to explain. They could tell he had seen something special here. And they, they recognized a, a, a vision of some kind. Verse 23, And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. What a joy that must have been. She actually refers to her barrenness as a reproach among men. That's how serious it was for a woman in that day to not be able to to have children. In the Jewish custom, the Jewish community. That was a a very big deal. So she's thanking the Lord for taking away her reproach. And then we skip down. There's the Christmas story, Joseph and Mary. And we come all the way down to verse, excuse me, verse 57. Verse 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered. And she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had shown great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. What a, what a glorious occasion. What a special occasion. Um, talk about a, you know, a baby shower or, or a, a wonderful occasion there where John the Baptist is born. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child following the Mosaic law, eighth day, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, not so, but he shall be called John. So somehow Zacharias was able to uh, communicate to her that his name should be John. So she spoke up and they said unto her, verse 61, there is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. Now, from what I understand, it was not unusual for the child to receive their name, uh, a male child to receive his name on the eighth day. That was not unusual for the child even to not officially receive his name, a male child, until the eighth day at at the day of his circumcision. So 
uh, that's another reason why they uh, hadn't talked about the name, and that's why it came up uh, that his name, they just assumed, would be Zacharias after his father. But Elizabeth spoke up and said, no, John. Okay, and then verse 61, And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all, and his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. I just, I love that too, because if you haven't spoken in nine months, the first thing out of your mouth for many of us would not be a praise to the Lord, would not be words of reverence. But he wrote the name John, like um, Elizabeth had said his, his son's name would be. And as soon as he finished writing the name, his mouth was opened, his tongue loosed, he spake and he praised God. And fear came on all that dwell round about them. And all these things were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. So we see the Lord using all this in a, in a great way. And then, we, and then we conclude with verses 67 through 79. In the little bit of time we have left. Zacharias praises God. His mouth is opened and he praises God. That's a wonderful testimony right there. All that pent up wanting to speak and out comes this praise and worship. And then verses 67 through 79, a tremendous, beautiful prophecy. It's referred to as the Benedictus because in the Latin Vulgate, the first word of verse 68, blessed, is in Latin, uh, Benedictus. So that's what this prophecy has been titled. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. Just a few things to take note of from this prophecy. We see the phrase horn, horn of salvation in verse 69. Horn has to do with strength. Horns symbolize strength, like a ram's horn. It was a symbol of strength. And it's a, it's a symbol of the strength of our salvation. We see in verse number uh, 69 also there, He hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Zacharias makes reference to the Davidic covenant that there would be on the throne of Israel, there would be 
uh, from the lineage of David. The Messiah would come from the lineage of David and he would reign forever. So we see the reference to the Davidic covenant. We see a reference to the Abrahamic covenant in verse 72. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham. And in Genesis 12, we read the Abrahamic covenant. And in the Abrahamic covenant, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Who is that speaking of? The Messiah. That is speaking of Christ. So the reference here in this prophecy is to Christ. And then we go down and we see verse 76. And thou, child, that's John the Baptist, shall be called the prophet of the... And we see another title for Jesus. Another title for Christ. Prophet of the highest. Literally, the most high God. John the Baptist had the privilege of being a prophet of the Most High God. Reference to Jesus, and it's speaking to his deity. And then in verse 78, Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. Day spring is a messianic title. It references Isaiah 9-2, Isaiah 60, verses 1-3, through 3, Malachi 4 and verse 2, all speak to the Messiah being the light unto the world. And of course, Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world in the book of John, as we've studied in the book of John. But this title, Dayspring, is a messianic title that goes all the way back to those prophecies from Isaiah and from Malachi. Now, I believe there is a Christian card Dayspring, and I think Hallmark might own Dayspring, so I guess it's their religious division, maybe, and that's probably where they, I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming they got Dayspring from, uh, because of the religious uh, aspect of the Dayspring cards, I'm assuming it comes from this passage here, and then I believe there's a Dayspring Bible College, maybe up in the Chicago area, I'm not very familiar with it, but sometimes you see that title Dayspring, that's a reference to Christ. That's a messianic title. And it goes all the way back to prophecies in Isaiah 9 and Isaiah 60. So we'll stop there. Uh, That concludes our study for tonight. I hope this has been an encouragement to us. And uh, we've been going through these Bible characters and it seems like each one, uh, there's so much that we can glean uh, to help us in our walk with the Lord and so many good examples that God has given us. Let's bow for prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, we thank you for this prophecy and this story and this example, these events, Lord, that unfolded in uh, the early days of the New Testament as we uh, look forward to uh, Christmas in just over a week and we reflect upon the Word becoming flesh and the incarnation of Christ. Lord, we're thankful for these people that were prepared, that were waiting, that were serving, that were ready for the coming of the Lord. And may we uh, be the same even now, as we await your second coming. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here. Hope you have a great rest of the week.